You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Next weekend is Memorial Day weekend. I don't know if it's a tradition in your house, but in mine it is to go out and purchase all kinds of just awesome t-shirts and hats and hooded sweatshirts for myself and the rest of my family. And what better place to buy those than in the brand new pop-up store for Socks in the Basement. Go to SocksInTheBasement.com. We've teamed up with Marathon Sports. They're producing all these high-quality items. They're shipping all these high-quality items. And because of that, they're able to give you a great price on all these high-quality items from Socks in the Basement. So now you can support Socks in the Basement and wear your gear with 60% capacity, which I think will be full by the beginning of the second half of baseball, if not by July the 1st. Ed, summer is shaping up to be wonderful. Why? Because no matter what happens in this Yankees series this weekend, uh, the White Sox are a first-place team that is well above 500 and is going to just blow through the American League on the way to the postseason. I'm, I'm just saying it out loud, my friend. They are a playoff team. You could not convince me otherwise. I'm probably more convinced that they are going to the postseason since any other season after 2005. I actually have more belief in this team than the 06 team just because of the competition they have to face. Yeah, I think I could go along with, with that on a competition level, that that you could have more more faith that this team is going to get all the way through to the uh, to the playoffs. Now, you don't have any like superstitions here. You're not rubbing a rabbit's foot. I don't no. see you knocking on wood. No. Um, if you've got a horseshoe somewhere inappropriate, let's not talk about that, but I will note you're standing at the bar <laughs> instead of sitting. Um, but, but, but listen, like, I know they went in 08, but I, I wasn't even confident that they were going to make it to the postseason at 08 in the final week of the season when they were falling apart and backing into game 163. Like, this is the most confidence that I've ever had for a team. And right around the corner, we've got the return of Adam Engel. Yeah. And the real question I want to ask you today on Socks in the Basement brought proudly to you, all of you. By Family Waterproofing Solutions, remember the phone number right there on the logo, any kind of problems that you have in your basement, if you want to anticipate a problem, if you're nervous, seepage, water, sump pumps, window wells, you got a new place, you want to check out, you want to make sure you identify the problem before it actually occurs, famws.com. But the question today that I have for you is, when Adam Engel returns, who goes? Ooh. And and I could give you options. I could sit there and say, well, you got Jake Lamb. You got Billy Hamilton. Does Danny Mendick get optioned back to the uh, to the alternate site? Is it somebody else that you're thinking of? Some people would yell, Adam Eaton. Forget him. Look at how he's hitting. Who needs this guy? I mean, there are some Adam Eaton haters no, that are like, just replace, no, 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 no. you know, Eaton with Angle. Who do you think before I tell you who I think goes? I think the obvious one is Jake Lamb. He is not really he's a spare part right now because he's he's ostensibly a corner infielder. But Danny Mendick can cover third if need be. And we saw Lamb did not play very well at first when he was out there. He's not an outfielder. I, I just I don't know that you need him, even though he is hitting a little bit better lately and he's a left-handed hitter uh you know the other obvious one would be billy hamilton but i feel like 
Billy Hamilton is Linus's blanket to Tony LaRusa. I, I just feel like he just likes having Billy Hamilton around. And frankly, I don't mind having Hamilton in a limited role where he is a defensive replacement in the outfield. He's a pinch runner uh, because he's he's good at that stuff. I mean, that's you know that's that's his best skill set right now. Even though I know he's put it out there publicly that Tim Anderson has inspired him to be a better hitter. Um, that's great. Tim Anderson's inspired me to be a better hitter too, but I still suck. Yeah, Tim Anderson's inspired me to be a better hitter as well and to dress better. Tim Anderson's very inspirational. He's just an inspirational dude, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can be inspired off of this roster as well. <laughs> yes, you can be inspired by <laughs> playing in the minor leagues for the Rangers yeah, if you want. Exactly. But but here's here's my belief. I think the White Sox will not get rid of either of the guys that they would have to DFA in Hamilton and Lamb. I think they're going to option Mendick back. I don't think it's the right choice. No, I, I don't think it's the right choice either, frankly. Because Tony likes Jake Lamb and Billy Hamilton. And you could make arguments for all of these guys being on the roster. Look, Hamilton adds another guy that can run. Essentially, all he's going to be at that point is a defensive replacement. You're going to throw him in the lineup once a week. And if you get into extra innings, somebody's getting replaced out there as the runner that stands on second base. You're just going to pull a bat. Because he can, he with the versatility you have, you can replace anybody and put him out there to run, knowing that any base hit he's going to score on. And if it doesn't work out, he can go fill an outfield spot. And you've got guys that can move into the infield, like Vaughn all of a sudden moves from left and goes over to first. Or, you know, I mean, you have so many different things you could move around. There's an argument for that. He has the worst OPS of all the players that we're mentioning. He's not really there to hit. So the only way he stays on is if you view him as that type of a player. When you look at a guy like Jake Lamb and then compare him to, like, let's say, Danny Mendick. Mendick, to me, just looking at him, is the better hitter. He's the more valuable of the two. But you could also make an argument that he and Lamb are separated OPS-wise by 30 points. Lamb is a, is a 7.56 OPS, and Mendick's a 7.83. And even though Lamb is hitting 188, at least at the time that we're sitting here and talking, he's, he's getting on base, and he's slugging just as good as Mendick, and he's a left-handed batter. Well, that's that's Jake Lamb's value. That's what he is, though. That's why I think they're going to push Mendick back, even though I don't like it. I love I love seeing Danny Mendick being able to to go in there and be versatile. You kind of lose that when you have to make Leary Garcia basically an outfielder. Mendick becomes almost the Leary Garcia, you know, Swiss Army knife role. Uh, he might be missing a couple of. Pieces that so he doesn't come with tweezers is what you're saying, but he's still, you know, he's still got the corks. Right, right. Exactly. I, I really do believe this team will try not to let go of anybody right now. Adam Eaton could be put on the IL, just like you mentioned last week. It, it seems like he's playing injured. They could they, they could be like, yeah, angles back and we're, we're going to put Eaton on the 10 day DL and we're just going to prolong the decision another week or so they could also do that we're just gonna we're just gonna stick adam eaton in, in a tub of ice and then we're gonna move him over to the hot tub and then put him back in the tub of ice for 10 straight <laughs> days you know poor guy uh that's a possibility i i i could see them doing something like that but the other thing with lamb is as he's coming around if he gets back to say being a 240 hitter with some power from the left hand side where his added value and and i think what the hope is for him being on the roster, and I think what fans really, what we should be rooting for to have happen, is he becomes the guy, when you've got the really tough righty, that you try and shoehorn into the lineup a little bit to get that left-handed thump in there to keep that right-hander honest and to try and balance out the lineup because they still have the problems against right-handed hitters. And Lamb, 
at least on paper, at least based on his history and in his profile, that's what he should be, is he should be that left-handed answer off the bench uh, to throw in in the lineup and bat against those, you know, the wicked righties, the Garrett Coles, if you will, that maybe you don't want Andrew Vaughn facing, or maybe you're not going to want Adam Engel facing, or, you know, that frankly, even somebody like Jose Abreu might struggle against. Listen, don't get attached to any one of these guys for the entire season. No, not Lamb, all. Lamb, Mendick, and Hamilton, in in the long run, at the end of the year, if everything goes according to plan, all three of them won't be on the team because you're going to need room for Adam Engel, Aloy Jimenez, and Luis Robert. Everybody who's injured comes back. Those would be the guys on the top of the chopping block anyway. So, you know, in the end, does it matter very much? It really comes down to what the White Sox value. Do they look at, do they look at Engel and say... He's essentially Billy Hamilton, but he can hit because he can run and he's a high end center fielder. Like in reality, when Adam Engel comes back, there should never be a day unless they're injured, sore. They 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 just need a break because it's becoming too much on them. They're struggling at the plate. They need a day for clarity. But Vaughn and Adam Engel should always be out there at that point once he gets there, wherever you're going to put him. And then essentially you're moving Eaton out there and he's not going to play against left-handed pitchers. And you might decide at that point, I'm going to throw uh, Larry Garcia out in the outfield here and I'm going to move it around. And that's where it all comes down to. You're not going to see as many opportunities for Garcia to play every day. You're not going to see as many opportunities for Mendick to get into the lineup. You're not going to see as many opportunities for Lamb to get into the lineup. And you're not going to see as much of a need for Hamilton when he comes back. So all of these guys become expendable, it really comes down to, and this might be a look at Tony and be like, which guy do you like the most? Which guy do you, or which guy do you not want to lose? You know, what do you, what do you, this will be an interesting conversation that they're going to have to have, but it's a good conversation because seriously, I've been missing some Adam angle in my life. Well, and you don't see yourself really being like, this is what I knew I was going to be missing coming out of spring training or something like that. Going just, you know, oh, if, if only Adam Engel were here, I mean, we were all sitting there going, Ah, if only Aloy Jimenez hadn't gotten hurt. And then when Robert goes down, now you start sitting there saying, geez, it'd be nice if Adam Engel was coming back. But the reality is, is that if he had made the team out of spring training because he had not injured his hamstring and Engel had been here the whole time, there is a chance you would have never actually seen Billy Hamilton on the roster to begin with because that Hamilton spot was really Adam Engel's spot. You know, there's an argument to be made that the Jake Lamb situation is more because they were trying to see if they could coax his left-handed home run hitting prowess back out, even though it hasn't appeared in the major league since, what, 2017, something like that. Maybe they'll be judged on which one of them dressed as Yoan Moncada the best. Like the one that didn't dress as Yo-Yo the best on the road trip. I don't know if everybody saw this, but the outfits were ridiculous. Obviously, Moncada has a style of his own that the team just thinks is hysterical. Because they all dressed as him on the road trip, except for Tony. I saw a picture of Tony on the airplane, and he looks like he's going fishing in upper Minnesota. Like, yeah, <laughs> the rest of them, the rest of them were dressed as yo-yo, except for Tony. And that's fine. That goes right with what we were talking about on the last show. He's the grandpa. And when I looked at what happened after our last episode came out, and they all go to New York, and Tony just looks like the old doddering, you know, guy. But Lucas Giolito's hugging him coming off the field after they take two out of three from the Twins. He did that. He Tony didn't lean in to hug him. He leaned over and hugged Tony when he came off the mound. All right. And you see players taking pictures with him on the plane and everybody's smiling. It's not as big of a deal as people are trying to make it out to be on that team. What happened this week with the Yerman and the home run and everything else. 
And th- these guys have moved on, and that's a good thing. Absolutely. George Hoffman, though, is going to join us here in moments, and we are going to talk a little bit about the White Sox and Tony through the years. That's next here on Socks in the Basement. Remember that Socks in the Basement loves to hang at Cork and Carry at the park, 33rd in Princeton, whenever we're down at the ballpark. More people are going to be getting to the ballpark. That means you're going to need a place to party before and afterwards. Never forget about Cork and Carry at the park at 33rd in Princeton. They've got an extensive menu, great food there, award-winning burgers, a great selection of beers on tap and also in the bottles behind the bar, and then a great liquor selection as well. A comfortable place to hang out in the shadow of the ballpark indoor and outdoor seating and they've got those beautiful big windows that they open up it is a great place to hang out especially during the summer and when the socks are not around remember they're still open they're still watching the socks on tv you can rent the place out for your own watch party check them out right now cork and carry at the park.com joining me on the phone line right now he's back on the program and i think he's the perfect person i reached out to him the moment I started to see this thing with Tony LaRusso this week because I was like, who can I talk to? Who can I talk to that's been around Chicago sports media as long as Tony LaRusso has been basically a major league manager? It, who was who was around when Tony was around at the beginning and could give a good perspective on LaRusso? And I was like, George Hoffman, of course. All right. We all know who George is. He currently has his new podcast, Tell Me a Story I Don't Know into the second season starting this past week, and he joins us on the phone line. How are you, George? I'm great, but I mean, uh, I've been around for, geez, I, I, you know, I did know Adam and Eve personally, so I've been around for a while. <laughs> I didn't mean to make you feel old. I just tried to like <laughs> point out that, like, you look, there are so many people that cover this team that are very talented at what they do, but they look at LaRusa through a different lens because they may not have been around for very long doing we have a lot of young sports media guys that are out there and they do great work and they they got a lot of hustle and and they're and some of them really ask some great questions especially in the post game i think tony he 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 kind of befuddles a younger generation well i mean that's that's one way to look at it that what he's become and what the white Sox didn't want him to become was a distraction you know the story should really be about the White Sox and the way they're playing. But the other thing is the last White Sox manager who was a big distraction, his name was Ozzie Guillen. They did they did pretty well with him, but it was a different time and a different kind of distraction. Um, it, Tony is trying to stay out of the way, but he's getting in his own way. He's tripping over his own words. He's tripping over mistakes. I was there when he became manager in 1979. And, you know, he's, he's, he's stiff. This is who he is. You know, he's got rules. He doesn't like losing. That's where he hates losing. When he lost the game, you walked into that clubhouse, you walked into the manager's office, you asked questions, the answers were like two or three words, not much. They won. He was a different guy. And, you know, through the course of his career, he's obviously proved he's a Hall of Fame manager. He's won three World Series. Um, You know, he's been a winner. But now, every time he makes some kind of mistake, and let's be honest, two mistakes were made here, he's getting the brunt of it. And two people made mistakes here. 
Tony LaRusso made a mistake, and your mean Mercedes made a mistake. And Mercedes' mistake was you don't ignore the manager and you don't ignore the third base coach. And when they tell you to take, you take. That's, and he didn't do that. Now, LaRusso's mistake was he said he didn't have a clue. That's not backing your team. And let's, let's be honest, Tony LaRusso didn't have a clue, too, when it came to some of the rules. And so you, you had two people who made a mistake here, but the players are backing Mercedes, who basically said, this is who I am, and this is the way I'm going to play, and no, you're not, because if the manager says you do this, then you do that. That's why they have managers, and that's why they have rules. But I think Tony's kind of stepped all over himself on several occasions, and it's come back to haunt him, and he's become the lightning rod for this team as opposed to the fact that they have the best record in the American League. You know, I would contend that there's, there is some value, even if it's unintentional, because I don't think that he's sitting there and he's saying, I'm going to just take the pressure off my young guys by being this caricature. I don't think, I think this is real. I think this is how Tony La Russa thinks. Oh yeah. 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 He's not, he's not going to change who he is, but there is something to be said for. I remember that during that Oh five season, uh, Ozzie Guillen from time to time really put the focus on him so that there wasn't a lot of focus on his players. And you know, it wasn't the same as what's going on here, but there might be something to be said for they've, even if they're united against him, even if it's like, we're going to show Tony, we can play whatever we want, however we want to play. And we're going to win as long as there's some sort of mutual respect. And I saw Giolito hugging him coming out of that last game against Minnesota. After this has all happened, he still made a point to lean over and hug his manager, which shows that there isn't a massive divide here that maybe it helps the team that everybody's just focusing anything they're upset about on the manager instead of on a player. Well, yeah, if you if you want to use the manager as a reason to win in spite of him, if that's what it is, then you go and you do that. That's fine. That that that's not a problem. I don't think that there is a disrespect for Tony. There may be disagreements with how he looks at the game. And and yeah, look, Tony's getting pissed off at all of this, and this is who he is. I don't blame him, but uh, on the other hand, when you put your foot in your mouth, then, you know, you've got to face the music. And that's exactly what he's had to do the last several days. As you look at the Tony that you met way back in the day and the Tony that there is now, how much of a difference is there and how much of a similarity in terms of personality and the way he goes about his business? <laughs> the difference is he's 43 years older. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> otherwise there's nothing different about him. Unfortunately, I, I have to say that I'm I'm also 40 plus years older. But I mean, he's he's the same guy. He's crusty. Tony Larusso is a crusty fellow. That's who he is. You know, some guys are like that. Uh, to an extent, Bobby Cox was that way. Uh, Gene Mock was that way, you know, back when he was managing the Phillies. It, uh, some guys are like that. Joe Madden is not that way. Other, but 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 this is this is Tony Larusso's personality. But he has an approach to the game, it, you know, and, and that approach hasn't changed much. He likes to play for that run that gives you the lead. This is what we always bitched about when we watched him uh, in the early going. He'd get a man on first. Um, look for the steal, bunt him over or look for the steal, and then try to get that run in instead of, let's say, play for a long ball. And the bottom line is he wanted to have the lead. Come chase me. Well, you know, it worked. 
So let me get this straight, George, because this is what I'm hearing from you. It doesn't matter how many tweets, blogs, podcasts, radio guys on uh, 670 to score, AM 1000, uh, newspaper articles that are written, you name it. Tony La Russa is Tony La Russa, and to expect him to be any different than what he has been in terms of his personality and how he does things, just because this is a young team and it's 2021, that is an unrealistic expectation. He's going to be him no matter what. Well, yeah, but he also understands that the players are a little different now, and he's, I think he's understanding that and he's giving that leeway where back in the day you tossed the bat, he would toss you. Well, things have changed, and I think that may be the difference in Tony LaRusso. He's adapting to this generation's way of handling themselves. I, I would think a Tony LaRusso a couple decades ago would not have put Mercedes in the lineup the next night, and that was something we pointed out. Like He probably wouldn't have put him in the lineup, but what he did is he said he talked to him, and he moved on. Chris, you're, absol- you're absolutely right. He he. he he might have been a lot angrier with a player like that then. But, and I don't know the conversations the two of them had, but yes, he was back in the lineup and you know, maybe, they had a, maybe they had a little conversation and, and uh, hey, you missed the sign and what have you. And, and the Eliminator says, hey, this is the way I like to play. Well, that's fine. This is the way you like to play. But if the manager says, take next time, you better take. Because then the next time he doesn't do that, he will sit. But any, but any manager would do that, I think. It's not just Tony. If any player did that, I think that the man... Listen, somebody's got to run the team, right? And you got to have rules and you got to have discipline. And so if anybody did that and they did it a second time, you can guarantee it doesn't matter who you are, you'd be sitting. George Offman, follow him on Twitter, at George Offman, and check out the Tell Me a Story I Don't Know podcast. Uh, he is putting those out on uh, a regular basis. It's a great podcast, George and I appreciate you joining us here on Socks in the Basement. Always my pleasure and anytime, Chris. Are you a CFO, HR professional, or the owner of a company and you're tired of the typical health insurance premium increases each year, out-of-control premiums with no end in sight? Elite Benefits of America wants to help you. Butch Zemar, big fan of Socks in the Basement, uh, goes out and helps small businesses medium businesses, even even large ones. He helps anybody that's trying to provide health insurance to their employees. If you've never done it before or you are currently doing it and you're like, I'd like to save some money and I'd like to save the people that work for me some money and I'd like to have a better handle on this thing, you can check him out. The Zmar Podcast, part of the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It is found all over the interwebs or you can just contact Butch and talk with him Anytime you get a free moment. A lot of people wait until the open enrollment period that is towards the end of the year. Now is the time to actually start working on what you're going to do, especially if you're going to be making changes or doing something new inside of your business. Reach out to Butch right now. Shoot him an email if you want. Butch at EliteBenefits.net. Go to EliteBenefits.net or give him a call 708-535-3006. All right. You wrote a blog that I enjoyed. And uh, it's great because <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm well, we can, it. we can reference this thing now going forward. Like that's the great thing. Cause what Ed did is he sat down 
and he laid out all of the unwritten rules of baseball. So now they're written. Yeah, they, they were, they've been written other places, too. Well, no, 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 but, no, no. But this is going to be the official spot for your unwritten rules. Oh, okay. Rules. Well, yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm happy to take over as the official scribe of, of the unwritten rules of baseball. I'm, I'm glad to take that on. And I'm sure, I'm sure Major League Baseball has been waiting for me to come along. I want Tony LaRusso to sign off on these. Like, I want to send this list and your breakdown of the unwritten rules to Tony. You know, I want to, like, just write 35th and Shields on the envelope, Tony LaRusso, and just mail it to the White Sox. And it eventually gets to him. It just be like, dear Tony, we just want to make sure we got it. Make any amendments, send it back. Unwritten rules, now written down at SoxInTheBasement.com. Okay, and it, it, it's Tony approved. And I think that would be absolutely awesome. And I, and I don't I don't want him tattooing it on on your mean Mercedes like this is a memento. And every time your mean takes his shirt off and looks in the mirror, he's got notes about when when and when not to swing. I, I always had this conversation with my dad. And you tell me whether or not you agree with it. Ed. We usually have this conversation where we'd say, I would rather have a team that was really, really good and had some problems on it where some people didn't get along with other people or there was some drama every once in a while than a team that hugged each other and came in third. You know, I would rather have the Yankees where Steinbrenner is firing Martin and then Billy Martin's coming back and then he's firing him again before lunch. And But they won, right? And so to me, these little stories, I mean, they're fun to talk about and, and they're interesting and it's okay to get fired up and get angry. And maybe you hate Tony LaRusso or maybe you think your mean Mercedes should be following the unwritten rules of baseball. What else are we going to talk about? I mean, we can watch all the games, but you can't get yourself all whipped up because you lose one as well. When your team is this good, you can't get to the end of a game and go, well, that's it. It's all over now. We lost, we lost, you know, seven to five in a game. Everything's wrong. Yeah. Everything's wrong. And it's those exact same people who sit around the next day when they win three to one and be like, oh, we're on the, we're on the way now. Everything's fixed. Everything's fixed. Can't do that either. It's a long season. It's a marathon. You can't get too high and too low for every inning, every, every pitch. Wait until the playoffs. And then you can live and die with every pitch. Right. Like I said, what I'm waiting for at this point with this team is I'm waiting to see the construction of the team going forward. I still believe that Rick Hahn, in my heart of hearts, I would love if he went out and got himself another outfielder. I don't think Adam Eaton is going to contribute enough in that position that he's in in right field. I've seen enough Adam Eaton to this point to realize that's another one-year deal with a one-year option that the option is not getting picked up on. Oh, easily, easily. Okay, I, I'm convinced of it. You might think I'm crazy, but I, I'm convinced of it looking at it. So then I sit there and I say, okay, fine. I, I would love it if they would have picked up another outfielder. Even with Adam Engel coming back. Well, I don't know why you're waiting so long on this. Let's get these wins now. But on the other hand, the White Sox might be looking and saying, well, unless we start getting into trouble here, we're not going to make a trade because we're we're up. And slowly but surely, we should pull away from everybody else in our division. So who cares if we win 110 games or 95 if we're the division winner? Because I don't want to trade a prospect. Now, I, I almost imagine that Han might actually have something like sitting on his desk right now. Or a couple of names jotted down someplace. Like, oh, I think yeah. I can get this yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. but I'm not pulling the trigger unless I think I need it. Because right now I'm doing so well with what I have. And I'm going to get a little shot in the arm when Angle gets here. I, I, I guarantee you. That Rick Hahn, and, and this I think goes for all the GMs in baseball, really across all sports, but I guarantee you Rick Hahn has a list of guys that he has either made contact with their team, he is monitoring and scouting, or that there has been some sort of an approach to him with, hey, if you're interested, I'll move this guy, and Rick has an idea of what the price is, 
and he knows whether or not, to use his own words, whether or not the juice is worth the squeeze. I, I got a list. I keep it in my I got back a list pocket. Too. It's a list of players on your fantasy baseball squad that I can poach, like I poached Dylan Cease a few weeks ago. That's uh, you got anybody else you want to give up on too early? You didn't poach. I did that for the greater good. <laughs> this was a sacrifice. This was a sacrifice on my part for all of your happiness out there. You keep telling yourself that, ye of the 500 record. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.